good evening and welcome to a special edition of the Lotus Flower podcast. This is season two, episode 18, and I am your host, Reverend Dr. Pamela Robinson. We want to honor the victims of the mass shootings, both in Buffalo, New York, and in Texas. Would you bow with me for a moment of silence? Thank you. Continue to keep the victims, their family members, their communities, all their loved ones, the first responders, the social workers, the police officers, the crisis workers, everyone that was involved in that tragic loss of both Texas and in Buffalo, New York. Keep those people in your thoughts and in your prayers. There is a such thing as secondary trauma as well. So be sure to take care of yourselves as well. Even if you weren't directly involved with that situation, I would encourage you to take care of yourself and be sure once again, to keep them in your thoughts and in your prayers. From now, even after the cameras and all the lights go out and everybody takes their attention off of those, for those situations, you continue to lift those people up in your thoughts and prayers because they're going to have a long healing process and they'll need us. Once again, this is a special edition of the Lotus Flower Podcast. Tonight, we won't have a guest with us because we wanted to come to you to look at the topic of mental health awareness. Because May is Mental Health Awareness Month. Each year, millions of Americans face the reality of living with a mental illness. During May, Emerging Hope Ministries joins the national movement to raise awareness about mental health. Each year, we fight stigma, provide support, educate the public, and advocate for policies that support people with mental illness and their families. For 2022's Mental Health Awareness Month, Emerging Hope has amplified the message of Together for Mental Health. We have used this time to bring our voices together to advocate for mental health and access to care through Emerging Hope Ministries blog posts, the Emerging Hope Ministries Lotus Flower podcast, the Emerging Hope Ministries Sunday Evening Empowerment Hour, through personal stories, through videos, through our social media engagements, and through events. This Saturday at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, I would be the featured author of a book club from the 
book club based out of Riverside, California. It is a book club entitled Ruby Reed Book Club, and we'll be focusing on my book, The Color of Hope, African-American Mental Health in the Church. We'll focus on mental health wellness centered around African-Americans, not only in the church, but African-Americans globally in our communities, at workplaces, in their homes, in their schools, and all over. So be sure to join us on Zoom for that discussion. And I will put the description in the description, the Zoom link. And we'd love to have you be a part of that as well. Once again, we have come together as a ministry with our community to share in the vision that wherever anyone is affected by mental illness, we all must get together and support one another and provide advocacy services, provide quality care, provide healthy living alternatives, and help people to have fulfilling lives. We here at Emerging Hope, we share with our community. We hope that you have shared with your community throughout the month of May as well, as we have stood up and fought the stigma of mental health and of mental illness. We want you to know that you can leave your personal stories on our website at Emerging Hope Ministries, FSP.org. Leave your personal stories, leave your messages. You can even post a message on this YouTube podcast and let us know your personal story or your personal struggles or your personal victories that you've had centered around mental illness. Also, Emerging Hope Ministries has created several products that enhance mental health wellness. We have the Color of Hope African-American Mental Health in the Church book that I showed you. We also have Blooming with Hope Emotional Regulation flashcards. We have Blooming with Hope Parenting Educational Manual. And we have a dissertation that I wrote entitled Educating the African-American Church Toward Those with Disabilities to Have an Attitude and Old Change. These items are available for purchase on ProQuest, a research scholarly database on Etsy at the Lotus Flower Shop, on Amazon, on the Emerging Hope Ministries website, at the Kalamazoo Public Library. You can check out my book at no cost. Also, you can purchase it at the Kalamazoo News Agency. You can purchase it online through Aid Books, and you can also purchase it online through Amazon Author Central, my personalized author's page with Amazon. Be sure to subscribe to the Lotus Flower Podcast, and be sure to like, comment, and share the podcast with your family, friends, and social media network. We're so grateful for the pleasure to be able to present to you this culturally relevant, spiritually uplifting, educational podcast. So tonight, 
I'm going to go through with you a presentation that I created centered around culturally relevant mental health wellness. When we think about culturally relevant mental health wellness, think about what that means to you. What does it mean to have mental health treatment that is culturally relevant and treatment that you can actually embrace and treatment that you can actually feel as though you're being heard, listened to, understood, and treated in a holistic and fair manner. While you're thinking about that, I want to share with you that there are many topics that are uncomfortable to people. However, one topic that I find that is extremely uncomfortable to talk about with people is the topic of mental health. Whether it's everyday people that I talk with at work, whether it's my clients, my family members, my church members, whether it's my colleagues, everyone that I talk to seems to have some type of uneasiness with the topic of mental health. Believe me, if those who are professionals such as myself find it uneasy to talk about mental health, then I could only imagine those of you that are listening to this podcast, how uneasy it must be for you to talk about the topic as well. Now, I have heard many people have different takes on why it's so uncomfortable to talk about this topic. Now, here are some of the possible things that they have shared. I'm fine. I'm just tired and I need to get some rest. My brother is just going through a phase. He'll be all right. I don't have time to talk about this. I have my own problems. She can't be that bad off. I'll check on her later. Don't try to get me up out of my head. It's not all that serious. So given the resistance to the discussion, it's very urgent that I present this particular podcast this evening. And it's even more urgent that we pay particular attention to mental health wellness during the month of May. But not only during the month of May, we must pay attention to mental health wellness throughout the entire year. Not only just one month out of the year, but throughout the entire year. Mental health wellness. Do you ever tell yourself, like so many of us do, that I don't have time to feel anxious or I don't have time to get depressed. We have too much work to do. We have too many situations to manage at our children's schools, too many coworkers that are, that are challenging us to succeed and be competitive with them. We have too much family drama going on. And we just go on and on and on. And we say to ourselves, we don't have time to pay attention 
to feeling depression and loneliness and anxiety? Well, to the very effect, you've got to deal with your emotional issues. If you don't and you keep stuffing them down and stuffing, stuffing, stuffing down, you'll soon come to find out that you'll get to a point where you'll crash and burn. And we don't want that to happen. Perhaps, have you heard Maya Angelou's poem, I Still Rise? Memorize to remind you of the reality that Black people have been despised in part because we seem to thrive no matter what. We tap into something special that has been cultivated for generations. When our ancestors struggled to live to the next day, endure in inhumane treatment, and maybe, just maybe, be themselves without any consequences or any time for their emotional problems, they came out, however, in the nighttime and they would sing these songs of joy all the way even until the very break of day. When you think about that, and you think about them saying, I still rise, in a sense, they were taking care of their mental health because they were actually singing and coming together as a group and relieving themselves of some of the pressure that they were going through. Now, we've got to think about this. It is alarming. It's alarming to our culture when we think suicide is actually on the rise in the African-American culture. And we think to ourselves, this isn't supposed to be in our culture, but it is. It is in our culture. And you've got to also think about when our psychological problems go unchecked, then we have what we saw on stage by one of the megastars when he had that emotional breakdown. We see that happening when our psychological challenges go unchecked. So we need to actually fortify our psychological issues. We fortify them by being honest, honest about our experiences. We got to check in with ourselves and make sure that we are okay. A 10, when I ask you, how are you feeling? Rate yourself from one to 10. A 10 could mean that perhaps nothing's wrong and I'm feeling great, but I'm gonna go all the way down to one where one, my number one would be, I'm feeling horrible. And if you go all the way down to number one and you really do a scale and you say, man, I'm at about a two and a half right now. And you tell yourself that I've got to check in with my psychological self. And that's the time where you need to reach out and don't apologize for feeling sad, depression, anxiety. Don't apologize for not being okay. It is that time when you are to reach out and get the help that you need. So as we go into our presentation this evening, Culturally Relevant Mental Health Treatment, 
by Dr. Pamela Robinson. We will be featured, we will center it around the book once again that I wrote, The Color of Hope, African-American Mental Health in the Church. Changing Demographics. By 2025, 35% of the U.S. population will be members of ethnic minority groups. Ethnic minority children will be 48% of all children residing in the U.S. Latino Americans are now the largest minority group in America. And African Americans are the second. In the early 1900s, most immigrants came from Europe and Canada. And now they come from Latin America or Asia. Help-seeking behavior. Many people have help-seeking behavior that they display. When they display help-seeking behavior, however, ethnic minorities are less likely to seek professional mental health treatment than whites. When this help-seeking behavior is displayed, it actually comes out all, oftentimes in inappropriate ways. We as mental health professionals often say that behavior speaks. So if someone is behaving oddly and they are having meltdowns and they are swearing at their coworkers, they're being rude to cashiers when they're in line at the store, they're cutting people off when they're driving in their car, they come home and they kick the cat, slam the door, cuss out the husband, they are belligerent with their kids, they have poor self-care. All of that is help-seeking behavior. But oftentimes, that type of behavior, when it's exhibited by African-American people, they do not take that behavior and look at it as if it's behavior that's deleterious and that needs to have some type of professional help to get beyond it. Instead, many of them ignore it and continue on with their lives. They might cover it up with alcohol. They might cover it up with net watching, net binge watching Netflix. They might cover it up with, even with a lot of prayer and fasting. They might cover it up with actually things that are good. However, we still, even when we cover it up and we suppress it, it's still going to be there. The Bible tells us to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then everything else would be added. He didn't say that when we seek him, that we couldn't seek out other things as well to help us to move beyond a situation that we might find ourselves in. Yes, prayer is good. Fasting is great. Going to church is wonderful. Reading God's word is paramount. However, we also have to take the next step. There are times in our lives that when we have this 
help-seeking behavior that we got to reach out and get the help that we need from professional mental health workers. Also, for example, whites are one and a half times as likely to voluntarily seek mental health care than African Americans. And I wanna qualify that. Through my research and through writing a dissertation and through many years, over 30 years as a mental health professional, I found that African Americans are distrusting of the mental health system. Why? Because oftentimes when they seek the help, they are misdiagnosed. They're given the, the most heaviest diagnosis that a person could get. And oftentimes that is schizophrenia. And oftentimes they are misdiagnosed with that. They aren't listened to. They aren't understood. Sometimes their cultural nuances that they display are misread and they're looked at as though they are misbehaving and they're not fitting into society. However, the clinician that they might see may just may not understand that particular cultural nuance and they might label it as something that it isn't, something that is actually inappropriate when it all is just the way that they express themselves because of their culture. And so oftentimes African-Americans are a little bit afraid and apprehensive to seek out mental health treatment because of some of those reasons and more. However, I am not giving you or them a pass help because there are culturally relevant mental health professionals. Need they be people that look just like you and I, or need, need there be people from the European culture as well, or from a whole nother culture, Asian culture. They could be from a Jewish background. There are culturally relevant mental health providers that are available to assist you. So don't let that be a band-aid and say, that is why I won't seek treatment. And that is what this is all about this evening, culturally relevant mental health practice. Also, ethnic minorities are more at risk. Why? Because ethnic minorities are more likely to belong to a high-risk group, such as the homeless or people that are affected by HIV. Ethnic minorities are more likely to lack health insurance. 44% of whites are uninsured. I'm sorry, 14% of whites are uninsured. 26% of African-Americans are uninsured. 38% of Latinos are uninsured. And 23% of Asian-Americans are uninsured. And that came from Pru Research 2021. Look at the high numbers of African-Americans and people of color that are yet uninsured, even though we have the Affordable Health Care 
in place, people are still uninsured. And because of that, it puts them more at risk. Ethics. When people are more at risk, ethics definitely come into play. Ethics. African-Americans are more likely to be misdiagnosed and behavior, as I stated, that some cultures may attribute to being pathology may oftentimes be the way that that particular minority expresses themselves in their culture, ethics. So we've got to be very careful when working with African-American clients. We've got to make sure that during the first session that we connect with them appropriately, we engage with them quickly, and we build rapport built around their culture and the way that they're presenting themselves and not misconstrue what's being said and how they're looking and how they're expressing themselves and the words that they're using and all. We've got to make sure that we keep ethics right at the center so that our services will be appropriate. Now, if we aren't comfortable with treating a particular culture of people, then we've got to start first with ourselves. First, we've got to look as clinicians, we've got to look at ourselves and we've got to examine ourselves and see where we might need to educate ourselves about a particular culture. So if we feel as though we can't treat that person that has come to us, then it's best to seek out our supervisor, or if you're in private practice, it's best to let the person know that it isn't a good fit and move them on to someone that can treat them and treat them holistically and ethically. Culturally relevant services. Increase cultural competence of all mental health professionals. We've got to make sure that all mental health professionals, especially our young professionals that are graduating with their master's degrees out of the universities, we have to ensure that prior to even leaving school, that many of the books and the research that they're doing and when they're having in classrooms, when I was in school many years ago, we had to do role playing. So when they're having a time of role playing, we got to make sure that that role playing situation is inclusive of the way that people of color present themselves so that when they do get out and they begin to work with people of color, 
that they just won't have book learning, but they'll also have relevant knowledge. Also in our internships that we are required to do as social workers, we've got to make sure that we're exposing our students and those people that are out in the fields to very practical ways of relating to cultures that are different from them. We also have to hire mental health professionals who are members of ethnic minority groups. So in our agencies, especially in communities that have a higher percentage of Caucasian people and a lower percentage of African-American and people of color, we've got to be very purposeful to make sure that our agencies actually mimic the, the community that we're living in. So if we have 50% African-American and 50% Caucasian and others, we should have at least strive to have at least 50% of our staff professionals that are people of color so that when they come into your agency, they can feel as though they are heard and seen because they'll see someone or they might choose to work with someone that actually looks like them and actually understands their culture. Not to say that someone, if they aren't African-American and their client is African-American, that they cannot do good service for that person. I'm saying, yes, they can. However, it is a known fact that when a mental health professional looks like you, comes from your culture, oftentimes when a person comes in that's in a crisis situation, has gone through trauma, it's a bit easier for them to open up and relate to and build rapport with someone sitting across the desk that looks like them, that have lived their in their same culture. Let's make sure also that we develop culturally sensitive programs. Also, we've got to make sure that when providing culturally relevant services that many African-American people, they adhere to spiritual and religious practices. So in the context of our counseling relationships, we've got to make sure that we ask the people of color if they would like to have spirituality and religious and religious techniques included in the context of their counseling sessions because many people of color have actually been brought up and nurtured in Christianity and have that as a strong belief and that could build right into the culturally relevancy of the services that you will provide or are providing your clients. Effects on the outcomes. Research shows that matching ethnic minority clients with mental health professionals of the same background helps. 
dropout rates are lowered and more sessions are attended. Mental health outcomes. We want people to stay in treatment. We want the dropout rates to be lowered. We want them to attend the sessions so that their mental health wellness can actually improve. So the effects of the outcomes must be taken into consideration and consider these three points and many other points to make sure that people are successful in treatment. Culturally appropriate programs. Programs are culturally appropriate if they are including a person's values, beliefs, worldviews, if it includes any behaviors that the ethnic minorities might have in their assessments and in their therapeutic activities. Cognitive behavior therapy with diverse and older adults is another form of therapy that is culturally relevant, especially for culturally diverse older adults to be able to relate to them and build rapport with them. So we've got to do our research and choose the correct modality when working with different populations. We also can, in addition to this, pay attention to their social, political, and their socioeconomic problems. Why, Dr. Pamela? Because we got to treat them holistically. Oftentimes, African-Americans, they have to have a bimodal approach when working with them, meaning that they've got to have the entire part, parts of their lives entwined in that therapy session. Yes, I'm not excluding others, but I know that when working with African-Americans, they've got to they oftentimes will bring it, bring everything in. They will bring in their family background. They will bring in their fictive kin. They will bring in, they would want to have their grandmother included. They would want to have the matrix of the family included, which oftentimes is the mother, the grandmother. They will want to have their pastor included. They would want to have their neighbor included that they consider their cousin, but she's their fictive cousin. They would want to have their financial future looked at. They want to look at their, their political stance. So they want to look at almost everything. And so they have to have that bimodal approach in order to make it culturally relevant. In addition, attention needs to be paid not only to that, but it also needs to be paid to making sure that we incorporate a sense of purpose into the sessions. And how do we do that? Because many people of color, when they come in, they feel as though they've lost their sense of purpose. They feel as though society has actually, has actually looked upon them in an oppressive way. They feel as though society 
is reoppressing them, even when they try to build themselves up and go into workplaces and go into the stores and go in, into your different parks or whatnot. And they come and they are riding down the street and I call it driving while black. They come against so much oppression until even when they are rid themselves of some of this, they feel as though they're being re-oppressed. And so we can actually use our sessions to actually re establish the person's self-worth and self-esteem, especially amongst people of color, especially now that we see how our society here in the United States is going. We have so much racial unrest until this is a prime opportunity to build people up in the area of their self-worth. Also, I developed through my research and when writing my dissertation, a model. It's entitled the Hope Culturally Centered Model. Healthcare professionals must be able to provide effective care for increasingly diverse communities. Lack of diversity and cross-cultural skills and professional practice may contribute to continual growth of health care disparities. And so we want to be very careful to have a model in place or models in place that can be embraced and that actually can increase the likelihood that our diverse clientele will actually stay in the counseling sessions. While there is limited evidence on the impact of culturally sensitive healthcare models, culturally responsive, comprehensive diagnostic and treatment modalities have yielded positive outcomes in reducing depressive symptoms amongst ethnically and culturally diverse communities. Therefore, this model that I developed, its central focus is that of culturally centeredness and a comprehensive healthcare approach. Its aim is to promote health equality and to reduce health disparities, specifically centered around mental health wellness. Culturally centered integrated care models must be patient-centered, value and culturally, culturally appropriate amongst providers. They must be implemented in the physical environment that respect and that appreciate a person's diversity and it actually represents the person's culture. You can read more about this hope culturally centered model in my book, The Color of Hope, African-American Mental Health in the Church, and it can be purchased on Amazon. We must use this bi-directional approach when working with people of color.
problematic issues. Stress and mental health of populations of color. That is a major issue. Also, mass incorporation, incarceration, public health, and whitening inequality in the U.S. is a major issue. Another major issue is racial discrimination associated with increased risk of mental health disorders. And another issue is Black deaths matter. Race, relationships, loss, and the effects on survivors. Black deaths matters. And we've seen so much happen over the last five to six years with so many Black men and women being shot and they were unarmed by police. And it has affected them in such a way that it has created problematic issues such as trauma, depression, insecurity, which has led to higher incidences of mental health challenges. Need it be situational mental health issues, or it could be mental health issues that were passed down through family genealogy, problematic issues. Stressors are more vulnerable when people have mental health disorders. Ethnic minorities tend to experience more stress as a result of their social status. However, there is much variation among members of ethnic groups. All Black people aren't the same. We are not all a monolith. There is much variation. However, oftentimes programs tend to treat Black people as if they are a monolith and as if they are all the same. So programs need to take into account the differences amongst the people of color that they serve. Also, we've got to always keep in the forefront. How can I be of the best effect for change for this particular client that I'm working with? Oftentimes, the church can be considered a change agent. Clergy attitudes have a significant influence on their parishioners. As I did the research for my dissertation and the research for my book, I have spoken with several clergy 
not only here in my town of Kalamazoo, Michigan, but all over the United States. And I've gathered information from them and found that they have shared that when they would share with their congregation from the pulpit that it was okay to seek mental health treatment, then those parishioners were more than likely to reach out and seek mental health treatment. Therefore, the clergy's attitude, if it's a positive attitude regarding seeking mental health treatment, then change oftentimes happen. Oftentimes, we've got to also remember that the clergy can also and should partner with mental health professionals, partner with your psychologist, partner with your psychiatrist, partner with the therapists, partner with the life coaches. It's important because we're all working together for change as a change agent. As you see on the screen, C-H-A-N-G-E, we're all working together for change for our parishioners, clients, family, friends, loved ones, neighbors, community members. We're working together. Cultural responsive churches. God has strategically placed churches right in our midst to meet the needs of those that have mental health problems. Churches that are Christ-centered offer healing and they offer faith to their parishioners. However, they can also offer biblical teaching on mental health. They can also offer fellowship. They can also offer counseling. They can advocate for justice and they can address the needs of those that are suffering with mental health wellness. Just like a stained glass church window. It's all fragmented, isn't it? But all the fragmented pieces, when they're put together in a pane, they look so beautiful. But all together and cracked apart, it's not as beautiful. So that's likened to our parishioners at our churches. When they're there and they have those invisible disabilities and invisible mental illness that you don't know about, and they're all fragmented and cracked up, into pieces and not really united and they're sitting in the back and they're feeling marginalized and oppressed it's only when we bring them in to the fold and we minister not to them but with them that they become whole and they become a part of this beautiful stained glass window they become a part of this beautiful body of christ the church's response. What can churches do? You can talk about the issue using language that is appropriate for the church and cultural setting. There's a term, make the stigma 
and breaking the power of mental illness when, once again, it is condoned by a pastor. When a pastor addresses mental health wellness from the pulpit, the stigma breaking power is tremendous. Also, churches can encourage the congregation, church members, lay members, Sunday school teachers, youth group leaders can encourage the congregation to offer practical classes to help families in the midst that are challenged with mental health issues. We can connect with one another in a trustworthy way, have resources available, be willing to give referrals, be willing to share information with the congregation and educate yourselves on resources that are available if you aren't aware of them. Improve your mental health. Once again, I have written two books, a dissertation, and develop a set of culturally relevant flashcards for children ages 3 to 14. These products will help take you through different aspects of your mental health. They will help you to recognize triggers. They will help you to manage and better cope through life. They will also help your children to express those really big emotions that sometimes they don't know how to put words to. These products will help free you from tension and stress and overall negativity, whether at home, work, and with your friendships, with relationships that you have. The products that I've developed are perfect for parents, teachers, therapists, pastors, youth group counselors, mental health professionals, anyone that has a passion and a desire to help someone or even yourself improve your mental health wellness. Once again, one product is the color of hope. The Color of Hope is a must-read for a broad range of stakeholders, including theologians, professors, clergy, spiritual caregivers, therapists, pastors, faith-based institutions, practitioners, policymakers, doctors, family doctors, recipients of services, and others. You may purchase this book on Amazon. You may check it out for free at the Kalamazoo Public Library in the Circulation Department. Those that live in Kalamazoo can also purchase it from the Kalamazoo News Agency. You may purchase it from eight books online, from the Emerging Hope Ministry website, and from my Amazon Author Central page. 
I've also developed, once again, the Blooming with New Coping Skills Emotional Regulation Flashcards. These culturally relevating flashcards teach children how to cope with their social and emotional learning skills. It helps them to identify these particular emotions that are troubling. It helps them to identify by seeing the faces on the flashcards and being able to put a name to what those faces are feeling. Also, the flashcards have different body languages there that they can try to depict what's going on with that person, how if they're feeling tight or they're frowned up or they're holding their arms real tight like this. Also, I made sure to include all different cultures on the flashcards. So the flashcards have children that are white, children that are black, children that are Asian, children that are Hispanic, children that are Jewish, children that are handy capable. All different types of children are featured on the flashcards so that the kids can actually see people that look like them. And when you are sharing the flashcards with the children or when the children are going over those cards themselves, they may better be able to embrace those cards because they'll say, well, that person looks like me and they're going through this. If they can do it, I can do it. I encourage you to purchase a set or several sets of those flashcards. We are very grateful that we have partnerships with several school systems and mental health agencies that have purchased cards for their clientele and for their students. We also have for purchase the dissertation that I wrote over four years ago educating the African-American church toward those with disabilities to have an educate, to have an attitudinal change. Even though it says educating the African-American church, this particular research is a piece of solid scholarly information that is beneficial from people from all walks of life. Not only people that are in African-American people. That dissertation is a dissertation that embraces all people. It talks about invisible disabilities, disabilities oftentimes that people hide in plain sight. It talks about the relevancy of being able to partner with clergy and with psychologists and with doctors. It talks about the experience of oftentimes how our systems have failed people of color and what we can do to make sure that that doesn't continue to happen. 
it also has an appendix there that has medication questions. It has an appendix in that dissertation that talks about how to prepare for different um, doctor's meetings and appointments. It has a wealth of information available, like I said, for all people, not just clinicians, not just people that are researchers, not just doctoral scholars. Yet and still, it is a research tool. So there is a lot of graphs there, a lot of research and things of that nature. And so we took that into consideration and we were able to actually extrapolate the information from the dissertation and actually turn it into this book, The Color of Hope, African-American Mental Health in the Church. So most of the information contained in here was actually extrapolated from that dissertation and we put it in layman's terms so that if you aren't one that would like to actually read through a dissertation, you can actually purchase the book and get most of the information there as well. We also have the Blooming with Hope Parenting Educational Manual. The Blooming with Hope Parenting Educational Manual is a manual that is culturally relevant and it's a guide that provides coping strategies for families when dealing with everyday stresses and crises situations. It offers hope for families in these troubled and challenging times. That dissertation is available for purchase on Amazon, on the Emerging Hope Ministry website, and on Amazon Author Central, my personal author's page. Once again, the Blooming with Hope Parenting Educational Manual. That manual was written not only from research that I've gathered, but also written from my personal experience that I went through as a single parent over 30 years ago. So some of the information there is a memoir of my own life story. There are lessons there that you can fill out. There are worksheets there that you can complete. There is a section that talks about property is more than money. And so it talks about how to get out of property, how to budget, how to manage finances. There are worksheets that talks about emotional regulation and how we are to manage our emotions appropriately and effectively. There's information that talks about single parenting and how when parenting alone to seek out resources to support you as our resources in that manual that talks about two parenting household and how to share the task of parenting. It talks about in the book about a different dispositions that our children present with and how to embrace each child that we might have differently because all our children, even though they're being raised under the same roof, 
have different personalities and different needs, even if they're twins, even if they're triplets. So I would encourage you to purchase a copy of Blooming with Hope Parenting Educational Manual. Also, we want you to know during May, this is Mental Health Awareness Month. Mental Health Awareness Month plays an important role in the month of May. Not only, however, should it play an important role during the month of May, it should play an important role throughout the year, next year, the year to come, and on into forever. Why? Because I am giving you permission to tell yourself that it's okay not to be okay. Your mental health matters. Mental health plays an important role in the way that we deal with stress, how we relate to others, and it plays an important role in our daily decisions throughout the day. Imagine how important our mental health wellness is. If you find yourself needing help, I want you to know that help is available to you 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Simply text the word HOME, H-O-M-E, to 741741 to reach a crisis counselor. That crisis counselor is a person that's trained to talk with you through that situation and provide resources and information to further assist you with connecting you to a resource in your community. Be sure to reach out and text H-O-M-E to 741741 to reach a crisis counselor. It's okay not to be okay. It's okay not to be okay. And remember, HOPE, our acronym, HOPE, having only positive expectations. HOPE, having only positive expectations. That is hope. We want you to know that culturally relevance in mental health is paramount. To have culturally relevant mental health treatment is overall recognizing the value, the interests, 
the importance that a person of color brings to the table. Overall, we must do better. We've come a long way, yet and still, we have a long way to go. I encourage you, clinicians that are listening, clinicians that will listen in the months or weeks to come, to seek out ways in which you can expand your cultural relevancy. I, as a woman of color, I have to outweigh to expand my cultural relevancy with different cultures. I don't know all about the Japanese culture. I don't know all about the Hispanic culture. I don't know about some Jewish practices. I don't know about some about the LGBTQT practices. I don't know about some of the relevancies of the millennial culture or Gen Z. So I, as a woman of color, I have to educate myself in order to treat clientele or people that will come seeking help for me as well. So I am in this right along with you. We all can do better. Once again, purchase the book, The Color of Hope, African-American Mental Health in the Church, and also be sure to purchase the other products that I mentioned as well. Thank you so much for joining me this evening for the special edition of the Lotus Flower podcast, Culturally Relevant Mental Health Treatment. And I'm wearing green tonight in honor of Mental Health Awareness Month because green is actually the color for mental health wellness. Again, it is the flower that blooms in adversity that is the greatest of them all, the lotus flower. Thank you for joining us. Have a blessed evening. Bye-bye for now.